as we've been preparing for this big week, I've noticed myself at times a little more agitated than usual, which has been a helpful little learning experience for me, a bit of insight, a bit of self-awareness. These uh, moments, you know, when we're squeezed by the circumstances of life, they can be very revealing, can't they? They can be a good test of how much we have really grown in, in, in our virtue, in our character, in our trust in God. I don't know about you, but when I'm under stress, when I'm anxious about something, I find it a little more difficult to be patient, to be kind, to be generous. Instead, I tend to focus more on myself. I've clearly got a bit of growing still to do. Now, I share this because the experience of pressure and stress were no doubt what was also going on in the heart and the mind of Jesus as he approached the very first Holy Thursday. John says in, in uh, the gospel we read tonight that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to pass from this world to the Father. You see, in his divinity, Jesus knew that he was about to be betrayed. He knew that this would be the last meal with his disciples. He knew that the anguish and the suffering was coming. And in his humanity, he would have no doubt felt the fear and the anxiety and the weight of all this, maybe even the terror. Tonight we reflect on how Jesus responds to stress and to pressure. John goes on, he says, He always loved those who were in the world, but now he showed how perfect his love was. In the midst of this great time of trial, Jesus gives even more. He gets up from the table. He removes his outer garment. And then he does what is unthinkable in that time. He washes the feet of his disciples. He takes on the role of a servant, of a slave. You know, the scholars say that there is no equivalent to this in any of ancient literature. There are no other examples that they can find of notable people who wash the feet of those beneath them. What Jesus is doing here is radically new. Then after washing, washing the, the disciples' feet, feet, he gives them his final and his ultimate commandment. He says, if I then, the Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you should wash each other's feet. I have given you an example so that you may copy what I have done to you. A little later in John's Gospel, uh, Jesus says the same thing in different words. We heard it in our, our, our acclamation tonight. I give you a new commandment, Jesus said, love one another just as I have loved you. Under all of his stress and all of the pressure, the weight he would have been carrying, what was Jesus doing? He was thinking about his disciples. He was thinking about you and me. He was thinking about the best way that he could draw together all of his teaching. And he does that in this simple act of washing their feet. See, Jesus grew up in a complex religious system. We know that there were hundreds of laws, hundreds of rituals that people had to follow. 
But he was a master at making faith and making God simple and accessible for everyone. As he washes the feet of his disciples, he says to them, he says to us, this is it. If you want to know the meaning and purpose of life, it's here. If you want to know the way to find true hope, then it's here, on your knees, in service. Now, the washing of the feet, of course, points us to our celebration tomorrow, right? The washing away of our sin, which Jesus accomplished through his blood on the cross. As we were reading uh, the Passion account on Sunday, I was struck by those who were mocking Jesus. Remember, as he hung upon the cross, some of the onlookers and, and the, the soldiers, they were ridiculing him. They were demanding that if he really was the king of the Jews, that he should save himself. Save yourself, they screamed at him. The irony of this is that Jesus could have saved himself if he wanted to, but he chose not to. Instead, he surrendered to the Father's will. He poured himself out for those that God had given him. Rather than saving himself, he trusted in the salvation that would come from the Father. And this is what Jesus is inviting each one of us to imitate. You see, each of us, in our own ways, are trying to save ourselves. We do it through our achievements, through our possessions, through our perfection, through our popularity, through our talents. Even our religious kind of efforts can be a way that we try and save ourselves. But in the foot washing, Jesus is giving us a whole new paradigm, a whole new way of thinking. What he's saying to us is that the way to truly save yourself is actually to lose yourself. To give yourself away in the loving service of others. To use your gifts and your opportunities to bless the lives of those around you. That's how you open yourself to true salvation. The saving power that can only come as a gift from God. You know, this reminds me of one of my many trips to the Philippines uh, when we go over there, we do a bit of uh, mission work. Um, we, we, we normally visit the, the Missionary of Charity Sisters, the, the Sisters of Mother Teresa. Uh, they've got a, um, uh, an orphanage there for abandoned children. Uh, and most of these children have pretty severe disabilities. And that's, I guess, part of the reason why they were abandoned. It's a very strange experience being there. Because on one level, uh, it's distressing and it's difficult seeing these beautiful children without family and suffering quite, you know, quite acute uh, uh, physical uh, issues, challenges. But at the same time, it is such a rich and beautiful experience. And that's because of the love and the care of the sisters and the volunteers. See, as, as they pour themselves out, in the care and the love of these children, they turn that place into a little slice of heaven. It's a very simple place. Uh, you know, concrete, there's, not, you know, there's nothing really beautiful about it when you look at it. But when you're in there, you can't help but experience uh, the beauty of God's love and, and, and the goodness of God in and through these, these people. 
You see, their, their love, the love of these sisters, the love of the volunteers, makes the saving power of God tangible for everyone who visits, for everyone who lives there. This is what Jesus is promising at his final meal with his disciples. He says, look, I'm about to physically depart from you. But don't worry, because as long as you keep washing the feet of others, my spiritual presence will remain with you always. Your love for others will make my saving power real wherever you go. There's one other key thing I want to draw your attention to in the gospel. And that is the setting that Jesus gives this all-important teaching. The disciples, of course, they're at a meal together, right? But we know that this was no ordinary meal. This was the meal where Jesus entrusts to the disciples the Eucharist. He institutes the Eucharist. He gives them for the first time the gift of the Eucharist. It seems to me that it's no accident that the foot washing and the Eucharist happen together. See, Jesus knows that on our own, we are not able to live out his commandment and to love like he loves. He knows that. He knows that our capacity to give ourselves away is very limited. He knows that deep down most of us are insecure and we're fragile. We're not quite convinced of who we are, of our value. He knows that often we don't have time to wash the feet of others because we're so busy trying to save ourselves, right? We're trying to make ourselves feel secure. He knows that there are some of us here that are going through really difficult seasons and you can't even bear the thought of washing someone else's feet. You've got nothing else to give. God knows all this. God has compassion for our weakness and our limitations, which is why he gives us the Eucharist. See, the Eucharist is the means by which we can live a humble, loving service with our lives. In our first reading today, we heard about how the blood of the Passover lamb liberated God's people from slavery, right? And tomorrow, we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus became that Paschal lamb for us. He became the lamb. He became the one who liberates us, who frees us so that we can truly live. That's what we receive in the Eucharist. We receive into ourselves the blood of the Passover lamb, the power of God which cleanses us and liberates us from our fear and from our selfishness and all the things that we're enslaved to. In every Eucharist, we are receiving a little dose of heaven. And, and that, that little dose of heaven, it doesn't only heal us, but it puts the life and the love of God in us. It's this regular dose of heaven that fills us up so that our service of others comes from overflow in our heart and not from a place of lack, not from obligation or duty. It comes from the overflow of love, the overflow of life. 
which God has put within us. Now, I once heard of a Protestant who said that if he believed what Catholics believe about the Eucharist, that he would crawl on his knees to receive it. That what we believe about the Eucharist is that awesome. For all of those who are joining us on our live stream tonight and um, haven't yet come back after lockdowns, I want to encourage you, if you are able to, to come back. You see, the Eucharist is a power and it's a love that we desperately need if we're to live our best life, if we're to follow the lead of Jesus. And it's, it's a power and a love that we cannot get in any other way. It comes to us uniquely through the sacrament of the Eucharist. Now, there may be some of us here thinking that, hey, I've, you know, Father, I've been receiving Eucharist all my life, but I, I don't experience this power, this liberation, this, you know, I don't see myself overflowing. And that's, that's absolutely fair enough if that's what you're, you're experiencing and thinking. My first response to that is to say that uh, often God works deep within us in ways that we don't see immediately. And in fact, in ways that we may never see this side of heaven. But that doesn't mean he's not working. My second response to that statement, that experience, is this. The Eucharist is a gift that God gives us. But we need to respond to it. You know, the people that were um, impacted most dramatically by Jesus through his ministry were, were, were not those people who were the most perfect. They weren't the people that were the most religious. But they were the people who had the bravest faith. The people who believed in great things from Jesus. Sometimes we come to the Eucharist and we're not even conscious of what we're doing, right? <laughs> we sort of just do it out, out, of, out of routine. We're not engaging at all with the gift. But when we do respond to the gift, when we come with humility and expectant faith, when we say a big amen to the gift that we are receiving, then we unleash the full power of the Eucharist in our lives. And that's my simple encouragement for us tonight. As we move into this celebration of the Paschal mystery over these days, together we're going to spend three days entering into and absorbing what we celebrate each and every Eucharist, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So I want to encourage you as we do that to lean in, lean in all the way, be as present and as open and as vulnerable as you can. Say amen. Say yes to every gift that God offers you through these celebrations. Believe. Believe that the Paschal sacrifice that we're entering into can impact and change your life here and now. Your first opportunity to do that uh, is going to be in just a moment. Uh, I'm about to wash the feet of 12 people in our community. But after that, 
you can then come forward to have your hands washed if, if you would like to. And that's your opportunity. That's your opportunity to say yes to the washing that Jesus wants to do in your heart right now. And it's also your opportunity to say yes to his commandment, to say yes to the deepest meaning and the purpose of your life, which is to wash the feet of others, to make the kingdom of God real here and now by pouring yourself out in love.